Holyoke Media presents Housing Costs, a conversation with Aaron Vega from the Holyoke Office of Planning and Economic Development and his guest, Matthew Mainville from the Holyoke Housing Authority, Matthew Robena from Wind Development, Michael Moriarty from One Holyoke CDC, and Monica Paseno from Mass Housing. Well, hello, and thanks for listening. This is uh, Aaron Vega. I'm the director of the Office of Planning and Economic Development for the city of Hoyoke. And we're going to just take a few moments, uh, a little time today, and talk about housing production and housing costs. Uh, the city of Hoyoke is engaged in a number of housing projects right now. And often, a lot of these projects may be just housing or often mixed use. And so how do we put these projects together? And why do they take so long? And why do they cost so much money? Um, those are some of the topics we want to talk about today. And I've got a great crew with me here, a great crew of project managers and housing authorities and state-level perspective. So let me set the table real quick, just so folks realize like what we're talking about here. And when we look at Hoyoke and we know that there's a need for housing, not just in Hoyoke, but in this Commonwealth, there was a housing crisis pre-COVID, and of course it's been exacerbated. And now we're at a place where we recognize how important housing is to economic development. Um, our office has become very engaged in housing projects. And so we've got everything from a large, over 55 project going on, over age over 55 by wind development on 216, taking a mill building that by many accounts was probably going to be torn down by the city at huge costs, but was saved by wind development. We've got Hoyoke Housing Authority that looks at both affordable housing for the people that live here in Hoyoke, but also moving into the home ownership field and again, taking undeveloped and underutilized properties and bring them back. We got one Hoyoke CDC, again, managing a number of properties uh, throughout the city, again, moving somewhat into that home ownership sphere, but also partnering with emerging developers, smaller people who are starting to figure this whole process out in some of those smaller eight to 12 units. And then we've got Monica from Mass Housing at the state level. And Mass Housing is a huge partner in every one of these projects and even more. And so just taking some time today to talk about why does it take so long and why does it cost so much? A lot of people will hear things about tax credits, different incentives, and these are not just handed out. And there's a whole process to get in them. And so talking about time and putting that, talking about the time and putting that large financial deck together, let's start off with wind development that with my office, we were in discussions for almost seven years. Um, <laughs> That's right. It's right. And gathering those all coveted historic tax credits. That's right and the low-income tax credit. And now here we are, after almost eight years, finally breaking ground, construction's happening, 216 Appleton for 86 units. It's not a very good ratio, eight years to get 86. 88, 88, it's more of the ratio. <laughs> Excellent, so Matt, tell us tell us about what, what, what the process is like to get this project off the ground. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Um, so I'm Matt Rubin, I'm a senior project director with Wind Development, and as Aaron mentioned, uh, we're the developer for 216 Appleton Street with 88 units of 55 plus housing. Um, and, you know, building affordable housing in the Commonwealth takes a lot of time. And I, I do have to give a lot of credit to um, to the Commonwealth and to the staff people there who, you know, I, I would say Massachusetts is by far the most sophisticated when it comes to allocating resources and getting projects done. But that said, it still takes a really long time because in the best case scenario, um, you know, you have to go and get a project permitted and get all your local sources of funding put in place uh, before you're even approaching 
uh, EOHLC, so the Executive Office of Housing and Livable Communities, which allocates most of the resources for these developments, um, and their competitive resources. So it could take you know two, three rounds of applications, which happen one or two times a year before you're even funded. At the same time, while time's going on, the cost of everything is going up. We're in a rising interest rate environment, and so our ability to borrow private funds is going down. Um, and so we have to contend with that while waiting. Um, time is not our friend. Mm. And you know, by the time you have everything lined up, then you actually have to you know, make sure the construction can start. And so the process in the best case scenario could be two to three years before you start construction. You know, as, as you just mentioned, Aaron, it was about seven years between us being engaged and being able to start construction on this project. Um, you know, Holyoke especially has a lot of historic resources and a lot of historic buildings, uh, which is great in terms of generating some additional resources for these projects from federal and state historic tax credits. Um, but in Massachusetts, it, it'll take, you know, years to accumulate the number of state historic credits you need to move the project forward. Um, because of the way that that mass historic commission allocates credits and you know they're they they do it in increments and so it could take three uh four years before you even have enough to show eohlc hey we have money that we can contribute to the deal from the state historic commission um so it, it all unfortunately takes time absolutely and we'll save the historic tax credits and the process <laughs> for a whole other podcast um and one of the things you mentioned there was affordable housing. And, you know, I think that in some communities, in some areas, people get their, their feathers a little rustled when they hear that. But we also have to understand that affordable housing is sort of a big umbrella. And when we talk about what's called the low-income tax credit, that can go for projects that give uh, support incentives to projects at 30% the medium income up to 80% medium income. So that idea of affordable is all encompasses the idea of low income housing, workforce housing, um, and housing for working people and people who are just struggling and moving up that economic ladder. And moving up that economic ladder and having shelter and having a affordable home ownership possibilities is something that the Hoyle Housing Authority has been working on for a long time. Yeah. And you have that full gamut of 30% really low income units and then moving towards that space of home ownership. So, Matt, you've been with Hoyoke Housing Authority for a while, and you've got a great project going on in South Hoyoke, and yeah. it's not easy. I think a while is an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a lot of gray hair being over there. Uh, yeah, we uh, at the Housing Authority are lucky enough to support folks at 30% all the way up through 80%. Uh, and and so a lot of what Matt has experienced at Win, we, we have experienced as well. We, we were lucky enough to be selected by the city to work on their project in South Hoyoke. And, you know, I think one of the things you also got to remember is that we, we want to make sure that we're doing and undertaking a community a master planning process, too, when we're, we're undertaking these projects so that we're actually meeting the needs of the community we're serving. And so you have to add that kind of period of time on it as well. And so... Uh, for us, it, it has been a long time getting our first units in the ground. I'm, I'm happy to say that we used Mass Housing's uh, community scale program to do our first 12 units of rental on a, a park named after your father. And, and so uh, part of uh, the city of Hoyoke that hasn't seen a lot of investment in a number of years on vacant parcels. And so, uh, you know, we, we undertook the master planning process, which took some time. And then we had to find a funding source that hit the niche that we were trying to do. We weren't doing a scaled unit a development of 88 units. We were doing 12. And so what kind of product was out there? And I will say, looking at our, our Mass Housing colleague across the table here, we're happy for the flexibility and the ability of Mass Housing to come up with these uh, different tools in the toolbox that fit the needs of, of 
different type scale projects. So we were able to use community scale. Uh, one of the things I will add that uh, that that does kind of uh, muddy the water a little bit is site conditions, right? And so. Mm. Uh, we actually, this is kind of a new one for me, we were doing excavation down there, we found some bones, they stopped it, we had to take the bones out, send them to UMass to have them examined to see whether or not we were excavating, uh, you know, sacred ground or, or something like this. Turns out they were cow bones, but, you know, this is the kind of stuff you run into as it relates to uh, digging up parcels of property that have had prior use mm -hmm. in an urban area. Uh, and, and in addition to that, we want to make sure at the housing authority that we are kind of, again, meeting the needs of the community, the different, all the, the, the spectrum of what people are looking for. And so we are undertaking a home ownership project now that really kind of uh, has a different uh, uh, number of issues that we have to face. It still has the same construction cost per square foot, still has the same cost as it relates to making sure the soils are suitable. Uh, but then you also have to make sure that they are marketable and that we are, because the product we're using is from, from Mass Housing again, and it's uh, Commonwealth Builders. Uh, and what we're happy about here is that we're actually able to go over 80% for folks uh, mm -hmm. for to be first-time home buyers. And that's going to be important because we're seeing interest rates go up. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that makes, uh, you know, the first mortgages that we'll receive to support the construction uh, more difficult to get. And so... Um, you know, we, we still have the same construction costs. We have to increase marketability. Uh, and, and then we have to take the time to actually market them to suitable buyers. We want to make sure that people aren't being taken advantage with predatory lending. Uh, we don't want to see foreclosures. And so that all adds time to the process. Uh, but we also recognize that home ownership is important, right? Mm -hmm. we, we want uh, different tools for folks. We want to offer up generational wealth to, to families. Um, uh, and and ultimately, I think it creates a more sustainable, healthy community when we have rental and home ownership in an area. South Holyoke, unfortunately, has some of the lowest percentage of home ownership in in the city of Holyoke and probably across the Commonwealth. And so, if we're able to take this uh, vacant parcels around this really Keystone Park. Uh, in the downtown area and do some home ownership around it, I think it's going to do nothing but augment and, and supplement uh, the rental that we're doing there as well. And so, you know, putting all this together with a master planning process, cobbling together the, the, the dollars, taking uh, uh, into consideration the environmental concerns uh, subsurface, then constructing in an area where we saw unprecedented growth in the cost of construction materials pre-pandemic and during the pandemic uh, and the reality is we haven't seen those uh, uh, rebound back to pre-pandemic costs uh, we've seen a flattening of it <laughs> but we haven't seen a return to pre-pandemic construction costs and what people are saying is that's really not going to in the foreseeable future we won't be seeing a reduction in cost that's going to be meaningful in any way so we're stuck with this idea of increased construction costs and how do we happen it uh, anecdotally we have 12 units. We had 1,000 applicants for 12 units of housing. So there's a demand. Mm -hmm. and, and so we have to solve the problem. We appreciate the Healy administration for, for coming out with a huge housing bond bill this mm -hmm. past year uh, and recognizing that this is critical to the growth of the Commonwealth. 
Absolutely. And even though we can't, um, we can't ever remember the acronym for uh, Office of Housing and Livable Communities, uh, <laughs> it is a great move that they have their own secretaryship now. Yeah, and that housing is, 100%. It's, it's integrated with economic development, but it needed that attention. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, putting all these finances together and all these incentives have restrictions. And that's one of the big things that comes in is managing, making sure people are hitting those income levels and you're, you're managing those, those, those people that are the tenants. And providing housing and so one Hoyoke I mean as we kind of scoot across downtown if you will from South Hoyoke over to the flats I mean one Hoyoke's presence is mostly in the flats around Veterans Park as well and you're you're encompassing you know elderly new home people I mean you've got projects and programs for the whole gamut of 30 to 80 percent medium income but again being a CDC gives you some additional leeway but more challenges. Yeah, it's a different perspective because we're a very tiny organization and we build on a very small scale. Yep. So <clears throat> we have long been focused on home ownership, although you know we do have uh, over 250 units of housing spread across the city. That's something we manage. That's something that we uh, actually aspire to try to generate more of. I think the Housing Authority, as well as one Hoyoke, are members of the Western Massachusetts Housing Coalition, who's been advocating for the housing bond bill, and um, that helped generate, I think, a very useful report from the Donahue Institute that talks about how profound the need for additional units of housing is. So we expect to generate six new units of home ownership by the end of 2024, um, and uh, we hear from Matt that there's 12 coming online in South Hoyoke, as well as what's been created previously, and it's 88, I believe, uh, from Wynn. So, you know, that is chipping away at it pretty well, uh, but it's a tremendous amount of money when you, me when you measure it per unit, and the amount of effort, you don't know unless you do it. Um, <laughs> so let me give you a little bit of a story about the next house that we're going to be bringing online. So around this time in 2018, uh, I reached out to uh, the uh, president of People's Bank because the Yankee peddler was uh, talking to the historic commission about, can we save this old house? And I'm looking at it saying, you know, we ship in modulars. This isn't that different. And we underwent this thing so that by June, we put the house on Northampton Street on a trailer and we brought it down to uh, the corner of uh, Pine and Hampshire Street and five years later, five years later, we got our certificate of occupancy at a cost of a little under $250,000 a unit, which is actually considered quite low cost in terms of housing production in Massachusetts, whether you're talking rehab or new construction. And we bumped into some of the problems. We had to dig a hole for a foundation to move the house onto. We discovered an oil tank. That was a $40,000 problem that we had to solve right up front. Uh, you know, those things slow down a project because if that $40,000 is gone, where am I paying for the rest of it? And you find those solutions, but they're competitive. We can't operate unless we get subsidies that cover at least 60% of what we're going to do. And we have to compete with everyone in this room and everyone in the state for fairly limited resources to make that work happen. So while People's Bank could offer me a free house, which is great, and we're actually really proud of this job because that kept this very, this relatively large structure out of the landfill, and that's a great outcome all by itself. Yep. 
Um, but we also get the home ownership factor and everything else. But it took five years because it took that long to get the funding. Also, because of our very small scale, COVID shut us down on development. Like we stopped in September of 2020, focused on caring for the properties where people live. And it was really 18 months later before we were even thinking about ramping back up. And then all of a sudden we found out finding the tradespeople that we needed was very competitive and very hard and very expensive. Materials had surcharges attached to them all over the place, which for a period of time made moving forward with the project actually not viable financially. But we waited it out and we then found some of those surcharges went away and we were in a more level place and we were able to move forward. So in December of 2023, we obtained our certificate of occupancy and I can tell you publicly for the first time, we are about to open up the lottery process so that some affordable homeowner in Holyoke will be able to purchase this two family home for $225,000. And that's the kind of outcome we wanna see. Later this summer, we just made the contracts for two modular homes on Walnut Street, each of which costs about $300,000, and we had to do the land acquisition. And just delivering it isn't where the costs stop. We've got a lot of work to do on the other side of that. But we should be selling two additional houses on this same city block for about that same price um, before this year is over. And that's one Holyoke really back at its uh, normal scale um, and doing the work that we exist to do. Thanks, Mike. And, and I have one of the pictures still in my office of that house being moved down Beach Street. So uh, it was quite the event, and it's great to see that coming back online. The big thing that you mentioned is, you know, the costs out here in Western Mass are the same as they are in Somerville or Boston, right? Still costs the same to pay the construction. And it almost sounds basically from the numbers you gave that you're going to take a haircut on some of this stuff, right? I mean, we want to keep it affordable. A house $220,000 in Hoyoke, right? I mean, that's still at the high end for some people. Um, but what it, talked, what it took to get there, mass housing recognizes that. And we talk about this financial gap, right? Even when you get all these the tax credits and you get the CPA funding, and you get this loan and you get this grant, some private funding, there's still this gap because of the cost, the additional infrastructure costs, the additional costs, and then the end result of, again, if you put that house in Somerville, you'd be selling for 320000 So just the market, you know, and again, same with rental. So mass housing looks at this statewide issue and says, where do we fit in? What products, what initiatives can we create? And so, Monica, that's definitely where you and I talk almost weekly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Mass Housing is, uh, so I work for Mass Housing Finance Agency, which is um, the state's financer of affordable housing. We're a quasi-public um, state entity, and sort of the crux of what, what we do is finance affordable housing projects. Um, and, this past fiscal year, we financed over, we provided over $650 million in financing for affordable housing from our brand new annual report. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, that's really the crux of what we do. But we also, as you've heard from multiple people here, um, operate a lot of other uh, programs, uh, many of them providing grant funding to fill that gap and with a focus on um, gateway cities, cities that, you know, outside of outside of Boston and many outside of greater Boston that just have different needs um, and different challenges in there because the market is different. So places that, you know, could sell for even affordable would sell for over 300,000 in, in the greater Boston area. 
200,000, 250 is, is pushing it, right? It might not even be something people can afford or that someone, or that makes sense in the market. So the other thing a lot of communities have to look at is, could someone go buy a, a house on the market for close to the same amount? If so, we're probably, we probably have to lower our price more to actually be serving the communities we're hoping to serve. Um, so that's something we're very aware of at Mass Housing, um, and we try to design our grant programs in a way that can really recognize that. Um, we've had you know Commonwealth Builder mentioned. Um, we've also, from One Holyoke, we've used uh, our Neighborhood Stabilization Program funding. All of these look at smaller scale, or smaller or medium scale projects, or something that hasn't been served in the market for a while, like um, really supporting homeownership in a more meaningful way. Uh, so, But we're always looking at ways we're making little changes to really make this product work for the developers who are doing doing the work out there, whether it's you know recognizing there may be upfront demolition costs or other site conditions costs that are going to make a project un, not feasible. Um, how can we help solve for that gap? We've worked through that in our Commonwealth Builder program as it's moved along. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot, a lot of <laughs> the sentiment we hear across the board is, you know, adding some of these, making some of these changes really allows projects to happen. And that's as, as a financer of affordable housing with the goal of, you know, facing the Commonwealth's huge housing challenges, that's what we want to see. We want to see projects that can work and move forward. Um, we also provide, you know, we've had a lot of people mention community engagement and, you know, the site prep work that goes into even getting to where you're ready to start construction or ready to actually reach out and try to get financing and grant funding and fill those gaps. And we provide a lot of uh, a lot of assistance to um, developers across the board and a focus recently on small developers and emerging developers to really help figure out how what do you need to do to make a project happen up front. Um, how can you figure out the permitting process when that may be something you've never had to do before? Um, you know, for, for smaller developers who are really, for many communities, they're the up and coming folks who are going to do your eight unit projects, do those smaller projects that make a huge impact in your community, um, but may just not make sense for you know, some of those really large financing packages that end up being put together for um, for the big projects. Uh, but they, you know, they're so invested in the community too. So we have a lot of programs to really help, um, help make those projects happen um, as well. And Holyoke, uh, you know, you look at many of the buildings in Holyoke and that's that's what they are, right? They're first floor, you're going to see your barbershop or your restaurant, and then there could be great housing above. Um, but you need you need more folks who are going to be doing that. And how can we help build that um, local community of, of contractors and developers who want to do that work? Um, so we love partnering with Holyoke and all of the, the developers here, as well as, um, you know, other developers in, in the area. And we're excited for both the planning work that we're able to really support um, from community engagement to master planning to um, how do you go through permitting? How do you do all of that um, through, through the financing and grant funding? That's, and it's, it's so great to work with you. I used to, I used to balk at technical assistance, and now I love technical assistance. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the things is, and we've been working on this with Monica and some of this, another grant that we got, the city got called Neighborhood Hub, is to have an on-call consultant that meets with our emerging developers and people who are experienced in it, like Mike as well, and say, what's out there? What, let's put this 
let's put this together. What, what are all those products out there? Um, so having that ability for the city to have a consultant, to have that technical assistance for those emerging developers uh, is critical. And, and again, having people like Mike working with these new developers, bringing some of that expertise has been really huge as well. And, as we go, I, yep, yeah. I, I just want to say that yeah. actually grew our organization in a way too, because we did receive uh, $1.8 million of neighborhood stabilization funding, but not for our organization. It was as the nonprofit partner to a private developer who's going to put a building that hasn't been online for years yes. back in place. And now we've partnered with yet another uh, uh, private developer uh, looking at something on Lyman Street. And we want to keep doing that kind of work because ultimately, whether we own it, whether we're the ones doing the ribbon cutting doesn't matter as much as getting more families in those homes so you don't have 1,200 people responding to right. 12 units. Exactly. And I think as we look to repopulate and retenant High Street, that's where that program is coming. So so critical to have that collaboration. Let's let's go back around one last time and then, because there's so many places we could go. You know, you guys have brought up so many great points and this is kind of our daily life. But I guess going back through, and Monica, you know, you have the statewide perspective, you know, and as Mike mentioned, you know, we're out there applying for these grants. We're in competition with 350 other cities and towns. Well, maybe 100, um, you know, for some of these programs. But I'll use the magic wand closer. Right? If you had a magic wand, you know, what, what, is, what, is, what do you think, if you could control mass housing, if, if you could say, Maura, Governor Healy, I need this much money, we can do this. You know, because I joke and I think about how much money is being spent on the shelter program or how much has been spent on this. I'm like, if you gave Hoyoke $45 million one time, I could get how many projects done over the next five years, right? I know it doesn't work that way. I used to say to Governor Baker, give me a year where every single application of the mass works and, and, and mass housing, every single application of Hoyoke does you grant. And then you see you can't apply another five years, right? Like it's it's this staggering of things that takes it out so long, right? The the acquiring of the tax credits, the the, the the cost change. What's that magic one? What, what, what needs to be done, do you think, Monica? It could be. So I think, you know, you heard the bond bill, the housing bond bill mentioned, yep. which is a great, uh, great start from the from the governor uh, and really has tons of funding for affordable housing built into it. Um, so I suppose my magic wand is that that passes and we're really <laughs> able to um, we're really able to start, you know, utilizing seeing that money out in communities even more. Absolutely. And and also separate of the bond bill is the reauthorization of the HDIP program, was the, which is the only incentive out there uh, for market rate housing. And so we have a couple of projects in the pipeline that will be using that. Mike, you've been doing this for a while. You're putting these, 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 these products together, these programs, developments together. What do you think is needed? What's the missing piece out there? So the next challenge after you get your property and after you get your funding is that you're still in a very difficult regulatory environment to get from the start of construction to the end of it. And so the requirements uh, come from many, many different sources, state accessibility agencies, local building departments, fire department, all of those things for someone who is not initiated mm -hmm. this work makes it almost impossible and it causes people to walk away. If there were a way that were more uniform, more streamlined, uh, that zoning uh, regulations became much, much less difficult and onerous to give builders options to move. Um, I think the regulatory environment in Massachusetts is not healthy and needs to have a hard look. Yeah, we, we, and again, even though we talk about these tiny homes, I'm still trying to get you know the idea that a current unbuildable lot, due to the lack of frontage and the required depth, let's recreate what those 
parameters should be if we're talking about building a 1,000 square foot house, right? Let's look, you don't need 50 feet of frontage. Um, how can we use some of these unbuildable lots currently under zoning to be buildable? Um, as a housing authority, you have a, a mission and your mission then is, you know, your work is then getting all these products to create that mission. What's missing for you, Matt, when you were out there? Well, here, I'm, as a housing authority's perspective, there's a couple of things that come to my mind, right? I think uh, not necessarily in Hoyoke so much, but across the Commonwealth, I think there's got to be an effort to really stabilize the existing public housing. Yes. This is a resource that, if lost, is not going to be replaceable at today's cost. It's just impossible. And so if, if we're on the precipice of losing a unit and wind comes in and puts 88 in, but you're losing 88 yeah. somewhere else, yeah. it's a zero-sum game. So I have to make a plug for making sure that the bond bill funds housing authorities appropriately. Um, obviously, I think the bond bill is a great way to start. We need dough to make these projects work. And then I think one of the things that, that really um, – as a developer, when you start packaging these things together, you got the, you know, you got your alphabet soup, you got your AHP, you got your AHT, you got your home funds, you got your LIHTC, and so each one of those comes along with, uh, with its own rules and regulations and front end, and I don't think we talk enough about what the legal cost is yeah. to get a tax credit project done. I think it would be very shocking for folks to see just the legal costs for a win to get those historic tax credits in place so you can do the construction. And so I don't know if this is possible, but you said a magic wand. If we could make sure that AHP and AHT and home funds and all those products that we were, were streamlined and, and, and so we could pare down the cost that we carry for the legal closing that happens as part of these development deals, you're talking significant dollars that really could be saved and put towards construction. And so I think, you know, if I had a magic wand, that'd be one thing I would say. That's great, Matt. And I think that, that we don't we don't talk about that a lot of, a lot of times, you know, even though it took eight years with wind, there was so much going on, right? Yeah, exactly. And even though people would say, you know, that house or that building was sitting there, I mean, architectural plans, legal plans, you know, working with hg &E to figure out the utility plan, all that stuff takes time and money. And when you look at these bigger projects, Matt, that Wynn's looking at, and, you know, I sometimes joked, although we wouldn't have gotten to get work together, you know, when that application first went in, if the state had said, here's all your historic tax credits you yeah. need at once, and if you don't get the project done in three years, I'm taking them back, yeah. like a clawback, we could have been somewhere different, right? Like, you know, if they, if you had, because that's what triggered phase one was you got to a certain level of tax credits. Again, if these applications go in, instead of doling them out, you know, 30%, 20%, taking four or five years to get to what you need, that could be one way things can be sped up. But what else do you see, you know, again, from that? And you guys are also in other states. And you did say that Massachusetts is kind of doing, despite the challenges, things pretty well. What do you see as something out there that could be? Yeah, it's no, and, and just to piggyback on the comment on legal costs. I mean, yeah, for you know, sure. for the eighty-eight units at at Appleton Street, it, you know, it it it's very eye-popping with this. We have, we have thirteen different sources or buckets of money that we're pulling from, each one with its own strings, its own lawyers, 
um, and the, the you know the financing costs alone are, are really astronomical to make that kind of project happen. You bring up historic tax credits, I think specific to historic buildings, which Massachusetts obviously has a lot of them. Holyoke has absolutely no shortage of them. <laughs> um, that certainly would speed up in terms of you know the process and getting these projects done more quickly. But you know there there is no. I think single answer, it's everything that everyone else has said in the room. It's the zoning, it's the application timelines, it's it, it's resources, which the state is pumping a lot of resources into affordable housing, which is great. It, it's never enough, right? And, you know, what we're starting to see too, it's, you know, historically, we've always talked about subsidy for affordable housing. But what we've seen the growing need for is this missing middle. It's also funding workforce housing, which Mass Housing several years ago came out with a workforce program that's been very successful, but there's still a, a growing need for it. It's the people who are making more than 80% of area median income who still can't afford market rents. Frankly, it's subsidizing more market units, right? The HDIP program, as you mentioned earlier, is the only one in the state that incentivizes market units. Um, you know, outside of the greater Boston area, it gets really difficult to build build market units um, that are affordable to, to the general population because the cost of construction has gotten so high. And so, uh, you know, in places like Holyoke or Western Mass, where uh, incomes aren't as high as they are in, in greater Boston, um, you just it's not financially feasible to build market housing even without some subsidy. And so I, I think, you know, I, I really do applaud the Commonwealth for this, the efforts they're taking. Um, we, we need to go further even beyond just that because the, the resources are not, the resources available, even though they're significant, are not going to be enough to, to build us out of the, the housing crisis um, at the current pace. So it, it's going to take a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. And <laughs> I think that's where we're at is that Hoyoke wants to be a place that has every option available for people who want to live in, you know, high-end condo lofts to affordable housing to working their way up to home ownership. We want to make sure that people who live in Hoyle can move up the economic ladder can continue to move up that housing ladder as well. So we're just scratching the surface on, on all the things here, but I want to just thank everybody for, for listening. Thank my guests, Matt R., Matt M., Mike Moriarty, and Monica from the, from, uh, mass housing. This is the bigger conversation. I hope that people take away understanding that these organizations are working hard to address the issue. The city's working hard to get those fundings to support these developers, but yet it doesn't happen fast. And people have to understand the, the costs of increase. We're looking at infrastructure costs, utility costs, um, and then all those regulations that come with it. So we're moving. And as the mayor says, we're trying to punch above our weight class um, and here in Holyoke. But, you know, we're going to do what we can to make sure that we have as many housing options and as many cranes swinging in the next couple of years as we can. So thank you to our guests. And uh, maybe we'll be back. We'll start a little podcast called Topics with Aaron and we'll go from there. So thanks, everyone. Thanks, have a great day. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron.